Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 43, and we're going to cover Numbers chapter 1 and 2. Congratulations. We made it through another book. Three down and 63 more to go. Hopefully we can continue in faithfulness. So as we walk into Numbers, one thing that we need to realize about Numbers is that if Genesis is a book of beginnings, how it all started, we learn that God is supreme, Lord of all, and he has a plan, specifically the Genesis 3.15 plan. We learn that God fights for you, and we have a God that turns evil to good. Israel got their constitution of faith through the father of faith, Abraham. And in Exodus, we synthesized it. How does God fight? How does God turn evil to good? Well, God redeems his people and reveals his name. He revealed his great name as Yahweh. He delivered his people from Pharaoh. But then with the incident of the golden calf in 32, which God really gets to reveal his great name through that incident. And it all culminates at the end where Israel realizes even more through Moses, even their very best cannot enter the tabernacle. And they realize that they aren't holy. And so that leads us to Leviticus. God has to show their need for holiness, and it deals with holiness on every level, individual, private, public, corporate, sexuality, health, you name it. God covered it. And now numbers exist. God has taught them holiness in the classroom. Now they enter the dojo. They have to learn how to apply it. Also, Israel is not in the land. We need to get them there. Israel is still at Mount Sinai. They've learned about holiness, but they need to get home. Numbers is the journey about Israel going back to the land. This book shows them returning home. Also remember, just like God has refined his man all throughout our studies, now he has to refine a nation. God is going to refine Israel. So God tells Israel to march forward. Even by the way that they march, they're going to display holiness. This isn't just abstract or conceptual. God has an agenda. He wants to get his people in the land, but he will not compromise his holiness. And other nations will observe this and learn this the hard way. This is why I say things were a lot simple for us in Genesis because we were dealing with people, one person here, two person there. Now we're dealing with nations and our talks and our thinking and our situations are going to get more complex. They're wandering in the wilderness. And remember, the land is one of the main points of the Abrahamic covenant. Seed, blessing, and land. And so let's hop into chapter 1, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel by their families and by their father's household, according to the number of names, every male head by head from 20 years old and upwards. Who, whoever is able to go out to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. With you, moreover, there shall be a man of each tribe each one head of his father's household. And this is why the book is called Numbers, because you get a numbering of the nation of Israel. 
we get the entire nation accounted for. So remember, numbers is numbering. We're taking the census of Israel, and this book is built around two senses. It's built around the senses in chapter one and the senses in chapter 26. And the difference between those senses is I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag. You already know this, but Israel is going to disobey and God is basically going to kill off the first generation in their wondering. And so the reason you get two senses, the chapter one senses is the old generation and the chapter 26 senses is the new generation. So Moses's generation is died off. And then you have Joshua rising up, which he is the next generation, which is why the following book after Deuteronomy is Joshua, because it's showing the conquest at that point. Basically, all Deuteronomy is doing is Dudo means second and Numas means law. They're repeating the law a second time. They have to do that because it's a new generation and they have to retell the law to this generation. And once they do that, they move into the conquest. But right now we're going to number the tribe and let's talk about these senses. There are particularly three tribes we want to compare. We want to look at Manasseh, Simeon, and Judah. One will go up in number, one will go down, and one will remain dominant. Which one remains dominant? You guessed it. Yes, Judah. And this is powerful in the sense that the prophecy from Genesis 49 is holding true and God is preserving Judah. So we get an arrangement of the camps. Judah is the first tribe on the east. Why is that? It's because they're the leading tribe. Israel is to move north and east from their location. And so if they're moving east, Judah is on the east, which shows Judah leading Israel. And we get some of the numbers of the tribes in chapter 1, 17 through 46. Let's talk through some of these. So Reuben in verse 21 is 46,500. Simeon in verse 23 is 59,300. Gad, in verse 25, is 45,650. Judah, in verse 27, is 74,600. Look at how dominant they are. Issachar, in verse 29, is 54,400. Zebulun, in verse 31, is 57,400. You getting bored? You should be, because that's the name of this book, Numbers. So we're going to be going over a lot of numbers because God is keeping the senses of his people, which should encourage you because he's tracking the seed as well. Ephraim, verse 33, 40,500. Manasseh, verse 35, 32,200. Benjamin, verse 37, 35,400. Dan, verse 39, 62,700. Asher, verse 41, 41,500, Neptali, verse 43, 53,400. And in verse 46, we get our total. Our total is 603,550. And so this is where we get our number for two to three million, because all you have is verse three, a census of the sons of Israel and their families of their father's household, according to the names every male head by head from 20 years old upwards. And on top of that, verse 47, the Levites, however, 
were not numbered among them by their father's tribes. And so this is where you get the number for well over 2 million. If we take 608,500 people and multiply that just by one wife and one kid, that's just one woman and one kid, that's 1.8 million. That's almost 2 million. We haven't counted the Levites and we know they were fruitful and multiplying. That's just the math off of one kid. Imagine if you did that off of three or five. And so this is where I'm going with a conservative number, but I want you to see in combination with the Levites, which it was 22,000 of those, we'll see that later in chapter three, how great this nation is. And as we move into chapter two, we're going to move from the senses and the numbering to the arrangement of the camps. And so how they're arranged is going to be picked up here. And I want you to notice something significant around how they're arranged. Look at verse two. The sons of Israel shall camp each by his own standard with the banners of their father's household. They shall carry the camp around the tent of meeting. And this brings something special to us. Why are they camping around the tent of meeting? This puts Yahweh at the center. This is declaring something when they march. Yahweh is central. He's in the middle. And we even get that today when a president is traveling and you have all of these SUVs, whether they're Yukons or Suburbans, you have the security detail in front and in back, and you have your most important party in the middle. And that's today. But back then you have that same logic. The camp is arranged with the most important person in the middle, and that is God. So on the south side of this camp, you have verse 10, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And on the west, verse 18, you have Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. On the north, you have Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. And on the east, you have Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And they're leading the pack. God is in the middle and Israel is marching forward. And this is proclaiming to the world that we're coming to take our land and the king in the center of us is responsible for this all. This king has taught us to be holy and we're bringing that holiness to the world. Either have peace with us and be holy for our God is holy or you have war. And those are the most significant things we're to take from this chapter. Israel is on the move. They're headed back to the land. They have their purpose. They have their language and they have their God. They have the presence of God and their banner is Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. They have their constitution, which is faith. They know that they're a holy nation and kingdom of priests. They know they have a God who turns evil to good and they know that they have a God who fights for them. So let's continue to look at Israel and also let's be encouraged because we have the very same thing today. We have a God who's turned evil to good. If you don't believe that and you're a Christian, look at your own very heart and what God has done in your life. And he's done it all throughout human history. We have a God who produces faith in his people and we have a God who fights for you. And so be encouraged, saints, as we journey into this new book. Excited to tackle it with you. You guys take care.